awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch and recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters can be used in your role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and I am joined by my competent co-host, Caleb, who is currently murdering adventurers to prove that they are lesser demons. Yes, um, th- this one's a lesser demon. It's, it's like reverse Spartacus, like... <laughs> everyone could be Spartacus, so let's just kill everyone. Um, I mean, is that that seems like it'll work pretty well, honestly. Yeah, honestly, I think that's the the main way that I got around that. Um, <laughs> we are talking about uh, episodes twenty three and twenty four of season one of that time. I got reincarnated as slime, also known as that time slime, uh, and these are episodes. 23, Save Souls, and 24, Black and Mask, which I don't want to complain about too much anime stuff. That's that's the thing. Mm. Um, the names, the names of the of the progenitor yeah. demons. This one's black, yeah. who people call noir. Hmm, I wonder if that means black. Hmm. I was like, how did French get to this world? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, it... It's so but simple and series, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing this series, there's probably some explanation as to why they're French names. And it's probably yeah between some of also some of the time stuff that showed up in the last couple of episodes makes me sort of go. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We've, we've, some... we've already got like world hopping. What about time yeah. hopping now? It's it's not just this anime. Like the fact that they have Leon Cromwell, and as every time they say Cromwell, I think Oliver Cromwell. There's something about manga and anime where they just kind of grab cool sounding names from history, oh, yeah. or just like this is oh, yeah. this is a, a person who's kind of kind of awesome or badass, and we're just gonna name them like Owen Rommel. Yeah, we're going to have like someone called Rommel because he's kind of like this desert fox. Like, yeah, he was a Nazi, but I see what you're going for with that. Well, like, like got, um, stuff like uh, Fate Stay Night, um, which I would yes. have never watched, but the whole concept of that is just let's just name all the characters after cool historical figures mm-hmm. um, and just. That's the only connection, but they also were also going to canonize the bit that it's also the exact same person, mm-hmm. and that's ballsy. Yeah, I just it it really appeals to the the teenager, like the preteen writer in me, mm. where it's just like I'm just going to grab all these cool names from history, and I'm going to name all my D and D characters after them. It's like I'm going to change oh, I'm going to yeah. change up the lettering, and so it's no one's going to realize this is actually like. Wonder Woman, because it's not spelt Diana, um, Diana Prince. It's just a weird spelling. Yeah, the um, oh, wh- who is it? Um, Boudicca? Yeah, I think um, I hear quite a bit for like barbarians and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a perfect one. Uh, I actually have a, an orc barbarian, not but one that I'm playing, an NPC that they have to deal with, who is very Boudicca. Um, except I've named them Yazgash, and the only person who knows their Boudicca is me. 
Like I don't, I, I just draw on everything else. Like nothing to do, like no look for them. They're not riding a chariot. They're not like, and my real name is Boudicca. It's just, yeah, I wanted to get that feeling. So I'm going to use my brain for it. And it's a special little in-joke just for the game master. Yeah, it's just a little bit for me, you know. There's a little yeah. Joke. Yeah. Uh, we, some jokes are for you. Sometimes they're just for us. I don't want it to get too bogged down in the names because there's other stuff to talk about in this episode because they were different. Like the first one was, it wasn't even like a wrap-up for the series. It was just kind of like, and putting a neat bow on top of it and then we'll have an epilogue. Yeah. And then the second episode, Black and Mask, this is what I wanted the entire series to be from the beginning. I wanted yeah. like cool battles with demons and like going to castles and be like, who's the real demon here? I'll fight you. Yeah, look, it's like that's some pretty like classic fantasy anime stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, sort of a monster of the week type thing. Oh, it felt uh, very witchy to me as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, it felt like a short story, essentially. Yeah. Um, what I liked and- about it, it can work really well as a role-playing game, particularly D&D, where you want to introduce bits and pieces of lore of your world, but you don't want to be like, here is an info dump, or boom, here's the, the 300 pages I've written. So you could have like a short, one-shot, high-level adventure where they're fighting against oh, cool. a demon that's been summoned, and it's like, this is actually something you've got to do. Like you really, you because you're level 17 or something, you can take it down where the normal campaign you can't. And then in the normal campaign, it's like, well, maybe the demon's free now. And the player's like, oh shit, we're like level two and we know who that guy is. Yeah. Like we've heard stories about him and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's like we, we fought him when we we're a really high level and now we know that we can't beat him when we're at low levels. We need to go find ourselves. Kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I liked that idea of seeing characters we already knew in the past and like seeing a little adventure of their lives. So we got an idea of what their lives were like. Like a little spin off, you know? Yeah. It was a good little plot yeah. as well. Like it had that little bit of yeah. mystery where we see someone summoning a demon and we're like, oh no, they must be bad. And the demon's like, I'm going to eat everyone. And then it's like, wait, you're not eating everyone. That's a little confusing. You've got something else up your sleeve, not your arm, because that's being chopped off. Yeah. It's a really interesting to see how um, it sort of tries to misdirect you a little bit, where stuff does mm-hmm. sound a little bit off, where, you know, it ends up with you seeing the demon. And yeah. you know, the next scene along, they're talking about, okay, there's a demon around and all that sort of stuff, and it's doing all this stuff. And it's just like, wait, so then why is he showing up here? Like what's going mm. on there? Like what's what was the deal? Why why is he showing his hands like this? And why is he seeming to be against these guys, but also yeah. making these weird choices? It's just it's one of those things where because you have a character that is operating on a level that is so far removed from what you already know mm-hmm. that they're existing in a sort of sense of dramatic irony like knowing the full dramatic irony that you don't really get until you get that final bit of just like oh okay i see i i see what's happening here it's because the demon here is the arch demon and, and like he's just been brought up and doing his own crap 
but he's also like way more powerful than this guy and going to be way much more of a problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I like him though. I, I think I mentioned this last, last episode when we were talking about like paradise lost and, and, um, and Milton, it's like, you know, demons don't have to be evil. Yo, demons can be fun. Some demons can just be like, yeah, I'm going to tempt you, but that's your choice, man. I'm just going to chill out and like get high. Yeah, like my like my whole deal is that I am here to tempt you. That's in my yeah in nature. Like I don't really get much of a choice. You're the one with free will. You can yeah. choose not to be tempted, or you let me do my job. Mm-hmm. There's like, a great that, sequence. That is a cool angle for a demon. There's a great sequence in the original Good Omens. I don't think they'd made it into the TV show where um, they're doing the report, like the weekly report of the Dukes of Hell and Crowley are talking about who, what they've done to like ruin mortals this week. And one's like, I talked to, I've tempted a politician and said he, would, he wouldn't think a bribe would be any, any a bad at all. So we'll have him in 10 years. And another one's like, well, I made a priest look at the pretty girls in the sun and we'll have him in five years. And Crowley's like, I tied up every cell phone in the entire London area for 10 minutes at lunch. And they're like, well, that doesn't do anything. He's like, I made everyone in the city furious. Everyone. And it's like, that's the kind of demon I like. Who's just like, I am small and petty, but I am so annoying. Yeah. Like an imp that just knows the right button to push. Yeah. Um, like on this, like wanting to see what, like the what's the least amount of effort for the most amount of pain. Yeah, and that works so well for demons. Like they don't want to work. That means sloth's the whole thing. It's like you don't want to sit around doing work. So you find out how can I affect the most people and not have to do any work at all. It's it's wonderful, and the best part is they then do it to themselves. And I'm so evil because I'm making you do something else without even making you do it. Exactly. And if you like, it also makes it so much easier for you as a DM. Yeah. Um, like the work of trying to figure out, okay, what's the smallest thing that I can push to cause this sort of chain reaction? I feel like it's, it's very demonic the way that you do have to work as a dm where you sort of mm-hmm. do have to like little effort as possible to call like the mass amount of i guess content or conflict or um or story um so maybe that, that's why there's such a little connection to the demons there potentially yeah maybe it's just um reading the wrong things as a at the impressionable age okay. i also like i also like that i yeah, that's true. Satanic Panic, it's a real thing. Um, I also liked that idea that there's a quest, and giving quests to, to players is a, a regular occurrence. Like, I think it happens in every game. You show them, this is where the adventure's going to be, and it might be a notice board, or it might be, you know, like a a scream, a scream sheet in Cyberpunk. But that idea that everyone has answered this call, like, it's not just you, your party showing up and being like, we're here to slay the dragon. It's like, no, it's a reward. Everyone should be there to try and slay the dragon. 
And I like that where they're they're having... Yeah. Yeah, it's like... And you've actually got to compete. Like, it's not even competing with the dragon. You This may be an easy adventure once you get to the end of it. But fighting off the other adventures who are trying to to sabotage you or just get in your way or trying to ally with you and trying to work it out, that feels like more of an interaction, like a role-play adventure to me. Yeah, like little rival parties. Oh, man, it'd be so cute if you could get, like, everyone to play different characters. Yeah, from different parties. Each one has their own little parties, yeah. Um, See, I see it... At the end... Mm. I was going to say it's, it works really well if if they made it into like a werewolf style thing where they are all locked in this room waiting for the monster to show up and everyone's a member of a different party, but they're kind of going to be the final group. They're the ones that survive when all the others are ripped apart by the demons that show up. And it's like, well, now you've got to work together. Yeah. like It establishes a really, really cool thing in the actual episode. Um which, you know, is sort of maybe a little bit undermined when um, Black shows up, or Noah. Hmm. Um, and it's that it can sort of sit in this whole thing of like, okay, well, not only could any one of us be a demon, but we could also be unaware that we're a demon. Yeah. Like, you know, they might have possessed us and they made us forget they were possessing us in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now I have questions about that. Okay, so yeah, they the the adventurers are like, well, we're not going to be bait. Or one guy's like, we're not going to be bait for demons. I'm going to leave. This is above my pay grade. And he walks out, and they're like, no, no, you have to stay. And he's like, oh, all right, no, I'm actually going to leave. And they just cut him down, and like a demon pops out, and they're like, that guy was a demon. And I'm like, how did you know he was a demon? It's a good thing you killed him, but wait, was he actually getting possessed by a demon or did they summon the demon to like show people how serious they were? It's like that. There's no explanation. Like, well, at least what was there? What, what? So if there was explained, they were. So he was a plant. The, the whole place was demon. Oh, okay. So everyone except Cougar and Shizu were demons. Uh, like, no, the, um, like the adventurers that they brought in, of course, weren't they? Oh, okay. So that guy was a plan to get the adventurers to stay. All right, cool. But everyone else in the castle yeah. were demons. And then John was a zombie. Everyone, we are the demons. Mm. Oh. Like, like all right, all right. Essentially, it. Like, that's the that's the whole thing. Like you're basically in a castle of demons that are looking to feed and grow the power of this arch demon. Well, now we're starting to sound like from um, dusk till dawn. Yeah, for those who have That'd seen, be it. really, really cool. Like a, a little werewolf thing where, like, you know, um, it it sounds a little bit like betrayal on the house and um, yeah, the hill house, whatever. Yeah, betrayal at house on the hill. Yeah, yeah. Where essentially, you know, they. I remember. I'm spoilers for the first round. I'm so so sorry. Basically, it just turns out that none of wait, them- wait, 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 no, 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 blah, 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 blah. This is legacy. You can't spoil the first round of legacy. I'm not going to allow that. On- no, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to allow that on my podcast. This is why I talked over you. No one can hear you when I talk over you. Um, play House on the Hill Legacy. That idea that I I love that idea. Again, going back to the high level one shot where they are 
in that situation where it's just like overwhelming odds and they can't get out of this house and it's just, hey, you get to survive the night. That sounds really fun. We've lost Caleb, dear listeners. I guess um, I guess I continue on uh, without him. This is actually a good opportunity because I wanted to talk about next, uh, about villain monologues. And this is something that like Black, Black Noir, I want to call him Black Noah. So maybe I'll call him Black Noah for a little while. Um, he gets to monologue. He gets to be all like, oh, I am an evil thing. I am an archdemon and you're just a loser, little lesser demon. I'm a progenitor as you are. And yeah, it's fun getting to be a villain who gets to monologue stuff. Like, you should let them talk. They get to reveal their, their evil plans. Everyone's like, no, this is where you get to end. Like, no, have your have your villains monologue. This is a chance for them to give out information. This is um to to sprinkle clues for further adventures. I think the people really underestimate the power of a villain monologue. Of course, if we're talking about that in reference to the fact that this is my podcast and I am now currently monologuing, that would make me the villain which I don't actually like that much. And I'm realizing now that I do need Caleb back to um, continue the conversation, as it were, because me just talking about monologues means I'm just speaking to have words, essentially. Uh, And hopefully he's going to be back pretty soon because I've actually forgotten all the other stuff that Noah says. Hello? You're back. Uh, Yes, I am. Wonderful. I was just talking about monologues to our wonderful audience. Oh, lovely. Uh, I was saying saying how Black Noir has a wonderful monologue. He has that opportunity to just kind of talk and talk and talk about how, you know, I am a progenitor and you're such a weakling demon. Um, And then I realized that it's actually much easier to have a conversation. Uh, So I, I was glad you came back. Yes, it is um, also one of those situations where after a while, if you don't find the monologue, you lose the plot just like that. Yeah, it's. How do you feel about villain monologues as a game master versus a player? As a game master, I love them. Mm-hmm. I absolutely freaking love them. Um. It's so much fun, especially if you've got players that are like invested. Um, yeah, I think I have uh, shown you much Gerard monologue. Oh yeah, at a certain stage. Um, and I'm very, very proud of that as a piece of writing. Um, as a player, I don't know. I've not been on the receiving end of many villain monologues, but I kind of want to be. Is that because as a player, you usually like leap in as soon as you see the villain, or is it a little bit more? just no opportunities like they don't oh, they don't yeah, want no, to monologue yeah I've, I've not really had a game master who's done like a proper little villain monologue okay uh, i do see like i love the idea of the villain monologue of being able to say my evil plan is now in its final stages you will never defeat me mr bond kind of thing but i'm also like i gotta write a lot of stuff for that I'd rather just like, haha, I am a victorious kind of kind of monologue. It's one of those situations where 
it only really works with either a recurring villain or I was given the opportunity um, to basically jump in as a new DM on an already existing campaign. And so I was given this laundry list of stuff that Strahd could be angry about. And Ooh. so I just sort of was like, okay, how can I tie all these together? You know, um, <laughs> if I make that core emotion, you know, I'm scorned, I'm angry, you know, uh, what are all those, um, what all the memories associated with that? And so getting a monologue about a big emotion like anger, that can very much ground the monologue in, um, in, in reality and make people sort of a little bit more invested, I feel. Because mm. mm. then it's not like just them ranting about how evil they are or how they're going to take over the world or how they're going to defeat you. It's more like, these are my feelings coming out. This is why I'm upset. It's really them... Not, not even having a discussion. It's just like, I'm airing my grievance just the same way you would. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, okay, yeah, I like that. I, I like that. Because in the end, no one monologues about something they're dispassionate about. That's true. Like, this, like a uh, what is a monologue if it's not venting? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what, is what is a rant if not a vent? <laughs> Or, what are monologues if not rants given structure yeah and well the the traditional meme is that players don't let you monologue that as soon as you start like the the music up and it's like i have to see worlds crumble and i will see them crumble once more they like cool i throw fireball like like do you do you think I they really do that I think it's one of those situations of just like they've made a character like they are approaching that from the point of view of what they would want to see as a consumer of the story yeah um you know they see you know if you see a villain monologue starting up um on a movie screen um mm. you're thinking okay um let, let's count down the time until this guy gets his ass kicked yeah. um you know no one like there's there's a fall coming after this pride i just know it <laughs> um and I'm, I'm here for when that's delivered i think Whereas, it's in part uh, sorry as yeah, yeah sorry. a monologue um you yeah, go. A monologue is um, del um being delivered to a character mm. is very very different because mm. it would usually be something that you know, the, the villain is saying, okay, listen to me. I'm going to make you care about this. Um, and so that's why great villain monologues are usually not about the villain's own feelings, but the villain's feelings about what the party or the people in front of them stand for. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like that. When they're talking directly, well, another reason to get players invested with something is when you talk about them, like, all players love yeah. to hear, you know, that their their actions are having an effect. But I think yeah. also that when villains monologue in fiction, they usually have the heroes at their mercy. It's like, you are not going to be able to stab me. Now's the time I get to talk. Whereas players, particularly in role-playing games, do not want to feel powerless. And mm -hmm. 
that's kind of that that symbol when you're monologuing is that I have the power now because I get to talk and you don't. Mm. So I wonder if there's that yeah. element too. I feel, yeah, that absolutely could be an element. That that feeling of not like not wanting to feel powerless because you don't want your you you don't want to feel powerless yourself. And if so mm. much of your character is got, your character is based on yourself, you know, that can usually come across like that. How many of your characters do you think are based on yourself? Gosh, um, I think honestly all of them in some way. Yeah, um, I I agree. <laughs> we had um, a discussion in our our home group just the other night of would you want to hook up with any of your characters? Uh, and one player said, yeah, every single one of my characters, I want to burn. Like, every single one. Uh, and I looked at my characters and went, mine are way too damaged to go anywhere near. And I'm yeah, not sure what that like, says about me. Look, it says that you know that your characters have to go through an arc. Yeah, I, I suppose that does. Yeah. Interesting um, one. Because uh, I would like to, I want to bring it back to the episode, but I'd like to make some characters that are not specifically, um, well, me. I'd rather start to go for other, like, I know some people create Batman or Spider-Man or, you know, Bodica, as we were saying before. One of the things that Rimuru is very much is basically Slime Jesus. He's like becoming like the nicest person in the universe. And I was just wondering whether you could make a character like, I'm going to make this person and try and embody them and act the way they would, rather than I want to try and act out some of the the emotions and things going on in me, like an aspect of my personality through, through role-playing games. Oh, we're going to get a little bit into the weeds of like acting and... Yes, we are. Sort of meta-narrative. Yeah. It's the final episode of the series. We're going to get into everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so here's what I personally think, and this is me coming from a point of view of having a degree in music theatre. Um, very, very useful um, during times like this when I'm talking on a podcast. Yeah. Um, where essentially I've come to the conclusion that no person is able to completely embody what another another character um, completely removed from themselves. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, you are still approaching your point of view around whatever makes up this person's past and applying that um, that knowledge, your knowledge, and it might be knowledge through research or through experience, but in the end, it's still only coming from that point of view and your own point of view based on that part of that person's past so you can give that same past to any number of characters but in at the same time you give that character to three different people they're going to get played three different ways so it's kind of like say okay we'll use we'll use batman as an example because you know batman one of the key elements of batman is that he's an orphan and if you're not an orphan, you're going to work out some way that grief and pain come through in that uh, and determine your personality. But how you... Res- 
or even the Bat Family aspect. That's a major yeah. to why he's, he's an orphan. Yeah. How he replaces his, his family with all, but how you play it is based on your experiences with grief and pain and your experiences with family, as opposed to somebody else's experiences with those things. Precisely. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. I suppose that's why role-playing. Yeah. Like it, that's why I would say that there is no way to make a character that is not in some way based on you. Hmm. Very interesting. I suppose that's why role-playing games are very good because you can always, like there's no wrong way to play that character. Like it's always, exactly. it's always based on your imagination and the only way of playing it right is to do it yourself. Yeah. Like, like someone else will play a character yeah, completely uh, differently. Um, you know, for example, you described, I don't remember it was in the preamble um, or maybe when we were even talking beforehand, but you described um, Noir as the villain. Um, yeah. And you would be interested to know that um, there are people that both agree with you and disagree with you. I'm not sure I do see him as the villain. I see him as the antagonist now. Um, from these two episodes. I mean, I don't know what happens in the future. But he seems less of an antagonist. Yeah. Because he just seems to be, like, at the end of the first episode of Save Souls, he's just kind of looking through at um, Rimuru. No, no, he's just kind of standing there in darkness and he's like, oh, betrayed again by my own family. Maybe next time I'll get to go out in the world. And I was like, who the fuck are you? Because you have not been mentioned before at all. And he doesn't seem to have any sort of like, yeah, like, is this something I'm, I literally, I was saying this to you before we started recording that I don't normally watch through all the credits. I skip to the next episode because, you know, I'm, I'm watching a couple at a time. And I was like, wait, are all the episodes like this? Have I missed like this guy talking at the end of every episode? Should I know who he is by now? And, because he just kind of appeared out of nowhere. All over again. Um, yes! Oh my god. I was going to say, it's it's Samurai Flamenco all over again. God. Wait, is Black what again? Samurai Flamenco. Like, that's, oh, that's a, that's a plus. Yeah, I'm sure I've told you about Samurai Flamenco. But, like, the credits, you have to watch some credits sometimes. But I was glad to learn that, no, no, it's not always, but he's literally just showing up now for the first time. But he's not yeah. acting like a villain. He's acting like a guy. He's doing yeah. villainous stuff because he's like eating souls and stuff like that. But it's like, like I was saying about the demons before, that's just what he does. Like, that's just his stick. Yeah. His stick. His shtick. Yeah, that's just how he eats. He He's doing it for a good purpose in, in Black and Mask. He's just like, yeah, I was something to deal with, like, the people who betrayed these heroes. So I'm going to do that. Yeah. And like, if I eat you guys along the way, that's, you know, what are you going to do about it? Like, the, um, the, the whole primordial demon stuff is, is actually so, so interesting. It does muddy the weeds. Uh, like, sorry, muddy the water. <laughs> muddy the water. Muddy the weeds. Where in the yeah. weeds? That's the, uh, rocket surgery, etc. Um, <laughs> But 
yeah, to, to sort of know that that is a demon mm. and also Rimuru summon demon. And yeah. Also, we would demon lords and all that sort of stuff. Of course, this is all going into like the second um, season, which is where that demonhood has actually started to get addressed a lot more. Um, now, cool. now that I'm starting like... to, I'm interrupting you. A good overarching thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm interrupting you a lot tonight. I don't know why. I just I, I've been talking all night, so I felt like, you know what? It's the monologue. It's my monologue. <laughs> I'm monologuing and you're the player that keeps interrupting it. Um, I I know I've complained a little bit. <laughs> I know I've complained a little bit through this series that stuff just kind of happens without explanation. Like, Demon Lords, what the fuck are they? Like, where's the explanation for those? It's now getting to that point where it goes into another season where it's like, oh, it's not just throwing out names. It's that we're supposed to know. It's literally Rimuru being like, I don't need to know these things because I don't care. And being kind of a kind of a um ostrich about it. It's like I'm just focused on whatever's in front of me. But there is there is a plan behind it. There is knowledge behind it and a like a a set out world building aspect to it. Like the demon lords exist and there's a certain number of them. And there's these machinations of the Harlequin, whatever it is, the Harlequin walking troop or whatever they're called. The alliance, yeah, the alliance that all yeah. all these things are happening, maybe not in the background, but they are aware of them. They're not just happening because I need an antagonist this week. Exactly, and, and it does. I recommended this series in the first place. Yeah, like it, yeah, you, as you start to realize, and honestly, the more I look at it, the more it was. It sort of occurred to me it was around about the spirit time. Um, mm. When, like, my mind was opened up to all these possibilities in terms of the system, that I, and the fact that some of them was, were already being explored, that I was just like, okay, this is okay, getting into some lore here, like mm. TM. This um, is what was great about the montage going back in in Save Souls. Because when I was watching it, I'm like, cool, this is Rimuru's story. He met that guy. He ate that guy. He met that wolf. He ate that wolf. He met this Ifrit. He ate that Ifrit. It's kind of repetitive. But it also kind of, you see it building up and up and up. And it does feel like an RPG story where you're just kind of giving, as a, as a game master, you're kind of giving the players, hey, I'm going to use Cyberpunk as an example because I'm reading the book at the moment. It's like, hey, you got to steal this thing from this corporation. And then the next one, you got to like go and protect this guy. And ev that's all they're focused on because that's the adventures you're giving them. And ever so slowly, you're just building this stuff up in the background. You're throwing out names and you're just kind of giving them things. And then after about 10 sessions, you're like, hey, this guy's coming after you. And you're not sure why. Oh, that's right. Because you killed his brother when you were protecting that guy. And it's like suddenly there's all these things and now they start to have to care. Yeah, they start to have to care and have to start to ask questions about the world you've created because it's starting to affect them. And it's starting to be like, I I probably should have learned this stuff from the beginning, huh? Yeah. So I appreciate it. Well done on picking this episode. This because it does feel like they were just have going along, having adventures, and now they're at a higher level, and the world's starting to end, and they're starting to really make an effect. Yeah, and that's when you can start, you know, bringing in 
flashbacks and stuff like that. Yeah. And like those little side stories. Give them a little palate cleanse every now and then. And yeah. So, and you can actually like start giving them ideas um, about the larger world and stuff that they might want to do as well. That might be just outside this whole like, oh, we're sort of going to follow the leader when it comes to the DM here. Mm. It's just like, I've got you, like, you guys have helped me build this world enough that you guys can do whatever you want in it. And I generally know how to facilitate what you guys have. That's like sort of the yeah. dream D&D. I think the, also the dream that they're, they're saying what they think is cool about a world. Like they're starting to engage with stuff. Like you might not have planned anything for, for I don't know, a desert. They're like, but what's on that side, on the side of the desert? Let's cross it. And you're like, cool, let's find out together. Like, what do you think is there? And when you cross it, you're going to encounter some things. And what do you discover? And you're building it as you go because they're really excited about that. And you kind of know what they want. Yeah. Um, Ryutama, again, I'm going to talk about this game. Basically yeah, all tell awesome, us. All based around that. Um, that's what I did to start off the little adventure that we did at the um, pop-up shop. Mm-hmm. Um, where basically I had some things that were filled in for this town, but a lot of the categories weren't. And so we just sort of got the sense of the adventure from what people filled in about this town. And so we just went from there. The scenario would have been largely the same, but the environment and all that sort of stuff, that was down to the players. Yeah, I... The best I can usually do is come up with, like, you're at a tavern. What's its name? Yeah. Like, you, you tell me the name of the tavern, and we're going to stick with that forever. Um, I, I Actually, I did this one of the first times, but I, before I ran my Curse of Stride campaign... I was having like little adventures in a little town and I asked one of the, one of the players or all the players actually, what's the name of this town? And one person shouts up immediately Cairns. And as in, you know, Cairns from Australia, Cairns, Cairns. And I was like, you know what? Yes, it is. And there's a reason for it. And they're like, what's the reason? Like, it was literally like immediately after they told them, told me, I'm like, yeah, but there's a reason. Like, you don't know the reason you just, no, that's the name of the town. And the reason was that there's a hell of a lot of undead around this town because there's all these cairns yeah, where yeah. people are being buried and they yeah. keep coming back. So you've got to deal with this stuff and that's what happens in cairns. But they left yep. and I went off to Barovia soon after so they never learned. And that was literally because they just went, yeah, what's the name of this town? And I've got, cool, I've got a, a thing now. So I, I should do that more often. I should let people name stuff and... And come up with things and then build a story about why it's called that based on, on their name. Yeah. No, but and spe- um, <laughs> speaking of this. We have um, no, names. Yeah. It's all, it's all about names and the names have power. I'm remembering it's, it's a little bit of the improv. Yes. And end. like mm-hmm. you have a character, you have a player say what happens here. And then you have to try to fit it into the story. But I'm thinking in Critical Role, they had the um, the search for Grog. Like, they had to have a, a second, like a one-shot after the first campaign ended because 
one of the players did a thing and his soul got sucked into an abyss, but they wanted to say, well, he's been okay at the end. So we went and got him. <laughs> and one of them threw out a thing. And it's like, yeah, we went to hell and that bugbear ripped your arm off, but we grew it back. So when they actually had the one shot, they had to throw in bugbears who ripped that guy's arm off because oh, it's, it's just, right. it's just like, well, we're doing yes. And, and that was part of the story. And it made me think of time slime where after he saves the kids, after they're all got their little spirit energies stuck in them, um, he's like, I've got to help Rimorous or Ramorous. I don't know. The, the fairy girl, the fairy demon Lord Ramorous. Um, and it's like, well, because I destroyed her metal golem and then I created another golem and put a demon in it. And I was just like, and he's like, but that's a story for another time. I was like, no, no, you tell us that story now. I want to know the story. <laughs> Oh, just like summon a demon. Yeah, I summoned a demon. And really I was wondering funny. how you could, you could put that into so many RPGs. Like, just at the end of the session, it's like, what was your next adventure? And then when they tell you, it's like, yeah, but we're not going to play that one. Next week, we're going to be doing something else. And you have them like, I get to do, you get to do cool adventures off camera just as much as cool adventures on camera. It's like, this is just your life. Well, it's how I like run the uh, one shots over at um, Fortress, where mm -hmm. basically at the start to try and determine, okay, how much gold do you guys have? So we run level two adventures over at Fortress. Um, so I ask, okay, what was your level one adventure? You know, when you guys first met up. Yeah, um, you know what were you guys all mm. doing? Like, what was your level one job? Were you fending off bandits? Were you going down to the sewer to fight some giant spiders? You know, what happened? And then based on like whatever they give me, I sort of say, go like, yeah, you probably would have earned like four silver pieces or two gold or maybe a copper if 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 you were just I don't know begging on the side of the street. Um, Classic begging behavior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, mm. that's, a, that's a good way to do it to explain why they've got yeah. cash um, so yeah like if you want to like sort of truncate that downtime down it can even just be like you know what was the milestone between this level and this level yeah yeah what was the thing that pushed you over the edge or what was the the adventure you went on where you learned something important about yourself yeah um, especially like downtime stuff which I think we did yeah. talk about um, earlier in the season when we were talking about jobs and all that stuff. I think I think we did. I'm learning more about the Blades in the Dark system and and Candela Obscura actually for for the Critical Role team. And one thing I particularly like about that is that downtime is built into each session. Mm, okay. Like the idea is that you go on the job, and whether the job's successful or not that's when the session ends and then you do the downtime activities. So it's not like, oh, we've got a week or something. So we just kind of do some downtime. It's actually, this is when you build your crew up. This is when you get your, your hideout. This is when you find out about more jobs or like start to develop more skills. So it's just a different aspect of the game, but it's built into the game. And this is also when, you know, you get the money for for um, actually completing the job. 
And I quite like that. I feel that that's a... Yeah, that would be really, really cool um, way of going about it. Yeah, especially because it can be part of a level-up system as well. That it's like, okay, cool. So you've got all... It's it's the the housekeeping, the bookkeeping, the um, the leveling up, the taking inventory and taking stock of stuff because it goes through and goes, well, if you did this in your game, if you're, say, a rogue and you lied to somebody to gain money then you get an experience point. So you do a little tick. And this yeah. is how you keep track of everything. It's like, all right, well, so now in the downtime, you've got all this experience. How do you spend it? And now you've spent it. You're ready for the next adventure. And if it's a particularly short one, well, hey, we could just go right into it right now. Yeah. It's like, it sounds like um, sort of a way to get rid of the idea of just like, flash, I beat I, enough enemies and now I've leveled up. And yeah. suddenly know all these abilities. It feels like you sort of had that time to sort of be like, no, no, I sat down, you know, studied through my book, my grimoire, um, trained a little bit. I'm taking the knowledge that I had. And now I'm ready for the next thing. Um, a little bit wiser now. A little bit older, a little bit older. No, I think it's a it's a good downtime in general. Something that's underused in D and D, and it's nice that other systems address it. I feel like we have zigzagged on topics quite a lot on this. Oh god, yeah. Um, oh, partly okay. because there's not a great deal in this episode, <laughs> or in a these lot episodes. Of it's very lore based, and a lot of stuff that is explained yeah. later on, but it does open up to like some very big conversations. Yeah, it is a good setup for the next season. Yeah. Like, and also a great it, way of saying, hey, use spirits and use demons. Yeah, spirits and, oh, spirits aren't spirits just another type of demon? Or are demons not another type of spirit? Just depends on which way they're facing, isn't it? Because I did want, I did notice that the shiny light spirit was all like, "Hey, Kenya, I'm going to be your best friend." And I was like, "Oh no, oh no, not that oh, kid." Is this possessed by a twink? Yeah, there's going to be a twink inside you. Um, it it did touch on one of the things. <laughs> did I break you that time? Good. Um, Something that I particularly enjoy when you have some a character like a warlock or um or a wizard or someone who has a patron who's super shiny, happy, fun, and the character themselves is like, I wear skulls and I am death incarnate. And then their patron's like, Oh my god, you guys, we're gonna have the best time. <laughs> <laughs> uh that'd be so great. I had I had one of those was in my it was in my Barovia campaign. Oh, that was that was weird. One of those was in my Barovia campaign where she was a tiefling warlock, super pink, super fluffy, super happy, and it's because her patron was a, a flying golden unicorn. Um, who was like, no, you just need to cheer up. You just had a hard life, and it had infected her with the personality. So every time she like lost a connection with the the patron, she reverted back to her true self and was so angry, so angry. Oh no, that's so cool! I freaking love that. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, I think the unicorn was called Flameheart or something, and I like based it on Pinkie Pie from My Little Pony. This sort of man, that'd be so interesting to sort of explore that dynamic of like sort of the mandatory fun patron. Yeah. It's like you need to be partying all the time, every time. Yeah. And that's how you'll get the power to awaken in the dead. <laughs> We're going to party so hard. You've got all these dead friends. That's amazing. I'm so proud of you. Exactly. You now build them like, flower crowns. Build the them. You don't want the dead to be lying down, do you? No, you want them <laughs> up and dancing. <laughs> You've got your own personal conga line whenever you need it. Oh dear, I love this character. Oh, this is amazing. Yep. That you just got to convince a player to take them. Uh, now, convincing people of stuff. Um, I'm going to convince everyone to listen to this, ep- this series that we're we're um, recording right now. That's how it works. Um, hopefully, I've convinced people. We've convinced people to watch this show and continue watching it after our episodes are done. Because uh, I feel that's kind or of all we've got. To- yeah, reading it. Give it a read. It is a manga. People uh, like manga right now. And also a light novel. Oh yes, um, it is too. It it feels very light novel. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is like one of the quintessential ones. See, I was. I, I'm wondering. Anyway, I'm. I'm. I'm I don't want to go. I don't want to go into all weeds of anime again. Absolutely no. We can do that we, on we, the next episode. I believe that's going to be our big wrap. That's true. That's going to be our wrap up episode. So tune in next week. But first, we've got to do our crit hit and our crit miss, our nat twenty and nat one, we and today? which. Which character we're going to pick this week? We forgot to talk about it earlier, so I hope that Caleb has one because I've got a good one. I'm really pleased with mine. Um, all right, I'll let you go first. Um, I'm going to give the one to Chloe. Oh, okay. Um, for the persuasion check for like trying to confess her love to Rimuru. Oh, Rimuru being like, yeah, I like you too. I like you too, kid. R- rubs her head. It's like, yeah, it's like. Eco child, yeah. <laughs> and go, then his response, get, yeah. Go, 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 get the the spirit that somehow has something to do with time. So yeah, and it's probably evil, but hey, good one. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah, that inside his monologue, he's like, "It took when I was a human and a middle-aged man, no one said I love you to me, and now if only you were older." I'm like, mm, yeah. Well, at least he's like. Like, that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, look, it's good that Rimuru knows the boundaries because God knows not enough anime protagonists do. That's so true. That's it is. More than zero. Yeah. <laughs> and then she he's also her teacher. Yeah. <laughs> There's that element too. It's like, yes, I, I am your teacher. I, I will say I like you. <laughs> uh, all right. A perfectly platonic um, friendliness towards you. <laughs> yes, and I will stand an appropriate distance away from you. I care for uh, you appropriately. Yes. Uh, this is why I'm leaving now. <laughs> um, I had some. I had someone different. It was also a critical miss. Um, but I'm going to give it to Orthos, the Arc Demon. 
uh, simply because he clearly rolled like a natural one on his initiative for fighting uh, Noir because Noir like kills all of the other people in the room save Shizu before while while Orthos is just standing there staring and glaring at him. Like, yeah, yeah. buddy, I know how it feels. I know how it feels. It's like it's and uh with Noah doing it only with one arm as well. I know that was man's badass. Rolled with a, man's role with the disadvantage and still managed to roll higher than Morthos. I know. Well his his dexterity must be insane. It's like his modifiers are just like plus twelve or something. Oh absolutely demonic stuff. And again, Orthos is like it seemed like such a great plan. It seemed like they had it all worked out. But Orthos is just so stupid where he's just like, I'm so much more powerful than you. And she's like getting these ass kicks like, this is impossible. It's like, clearly it is. Like, you're aware yeah. there's more powerful people than you. Like, these things exist. That, that, that was an interesting little tidbit that I did notice. The idea that, like, Orthos apparently couldn't see. Couldn't um, register, yeah. Noah's auras. Uh, Noah's auras. Yeah. Um, which makes me wonder whether demons just can't measure aura. Mm, potentially. Like, that's an arch demon. Yeah. So, or was he just talking bullshit? He could have just been talking bullshit. Yeah, because he's um, all like, I was just a demon who came up and through the ranks and I built myself like the almighty. It's like, oh, okay, yep, cool. We're getting into God level now stuff. Great. All right, so that is it for this week. That is all we're going to talk about from these episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Um, come back next week where we're going to answer questions and wrap up the full season and have a very convoluted discussion just about things in general, but mostly we'll answer questions. Um, so if you want to write in some questions, you can send them to dndntvpod at gmail.com. Uh, or send them via Instagram or threads, which is at dndntvpod. Uh, Caleb, where can people find you online? They can find me on Instagram at what's a Caleb? What is a Caleb? That's what you find out when you go to the Instagram. What is a Caleb? Yeah. Yes. I, I am in my 20s, um, so I'm still figuring that one out. Um, I'm sure once I do, I will change my Instagram handle. It was very introspective of you. That's That's very cool. Um, if you want to be introspective and cool, you can leave us a review wherever podcasts are found. You can subscribe on Spotify, on Podbean, if you want to be cool, like, um, our latest follower, that was Hello Fellow Humans, who I'm really tempted to steal your, your username, um, for the, the way of greeting people on this episode. Um, but that would imply, that would be assuming that some people are humans and I I don't want to. I don't want to uh, assume. Um, but leave us a review in app. Five stars would be great because it gets us out to... <laughs> they could be elves. They could be dwarves. They could be lizard folk. They could be Prince Gabaru. Uh, shout out to Gabaru if he's listening. And <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just still going, aren't I? Um, I think that was pretty much it. Is this the end of our handsome existence? I don't think it is. As I said, we'll be back next week. Uh, but until then, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Be kind to yourselves. May all your hits be crits. And we'll see you next time you get turned into a slime. See you next time.
This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.